may I express a genuine concern. I am concerned about many who are members of the Lord's body, who are members of His church, who are no longer walking with the Lord or living their own designed lifestyle. As Proverbs chapter 14 said, they are filled with their own ways rather than being filled with the Lord. For some of you, you may not have heard the term backslider. A backslider is someone who is regressing from serving the Lord. They are those who, if they do not repent, will ultimately be lost. I remember as a young man having a conversation with a good friend in high school. We often had religious discussions with one another and we talked about whether or not a person who was a Christian could actually be lost, losing his soul on the day of judgment. And his response was, no, there's no way you can be lost. That either you were not a Christian to start with if you were going to be lost or you never became a Christian to start with. You see, in his mind was, there's no compatibility between a person maybe stepping back a little bit, but he would say, you can't be lost. How and why this happens should be of concern to everyone. Why should you and I be concerned about backsliding? For just a moment, I'd like for you to observe that this is a biblical fact. If I could spend a lot of time, I could go through the Bible and show you those who had backslidden. But I just want to look at the book of Jeremiah for just a moment. Twelve times Jeremiah makes reference to those who are backsliding. If you'll read with me some of these verses here. In Jeremiah 2 and verse 19, your own wickedness will correct you and your backslidings will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and a bitter thing that you have forsaken your Lord, your God, and the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts. Here are people who no longer are following with the Lord. He keeps going in chapter 3, looking at verses 6 and 12. The Lord also said to me in the days of Josiah the king, Have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up under every, on, on every high mountain and under every green tree, and there played the harlot. In verse 12, Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return backsliding Israel, says the Lord. For I will not cause my anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. In chapter 3, verses 14 and verse 22, Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. And I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and will bring you to Zion. Verse 22, Return, you backsliding children, And I will heal your backslidings. And then chapter 8 and verse 5. Why has this people slidden back, Jerusalem, in a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. 
I don't think it takes you long to realize that the children of Israel, the Israel northern kingdom, Judah the southern kingdom, both were leaving God. And God was pleading with them through Jeremiah, come back, come back, lest you be destroyed. It isn't as if God did not want these people to come back. He did. God loved his people. One of the greatest passages I can think of that expresses this is Hosea chapter 11, verses 7 and 8. He said, my people are bent on backsliding. From me, though they call to the Most High, none at all exalt him. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I set you like Zeboim? My heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred. God said, I have a pain in my heart because I see you leaving me and I want you to come back. And they were not coming back. You see, what you observe is this is a choice man makes. Man makes his choice whether or not he wants to serve God and he makes his choice whether or not he wants to leave God. And there's a warning given in Hebrews chapter 3 where the writer says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily and as long as it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Here's the reality. Here's the fact of Scripture. God warns us about backsliding. And He is concerned that you and I may allow ourselves to get caught up into it and ultimately lose our souls. Well, here's what I'd like for us to do. You can go ahead and get your Bibles out. We're going to look at Mark chapter 14. And we're going to look at the anatomy of a backslider, the process that one follows. We're going to look at what Peter did that night in the Garden of Gethsemane and then later as he entered into the house of Caiaphas. And we're going to see what happens as Peter just really starts making a progress of falling away from God. Then second of all, we're going to look at the epistles of Peter, first and second Peter, and we're going to look at the advice from one who has learned. So it's really a process and a prevention, if you will. And with that, we'll spend a little bit of time studying the lesson. Let's go to Mark chapter 14. Let's look at verses 27 through verse 31. The first step in the process is that of pride. A person becomes lifted up in their hearts and in their minds. We read, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. 
Notice carefully. Peter bragged about how strong he was. Lord, I will not give up. I will not give in. I am devoted to you. We have to be very careful because as Solomon said in Proverbs 16 and verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. When a person begins to put themselves up here and saying, I cannot fall, I cannot do this, I am so well uh, in my life that I am so devoted to the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12, we learn, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. It's when the person gets to where they believe they're incapable of being overtaken by a sin. You see, the first step in becoming a Christian is when you and I humble ourselves and we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, you tell me what to do. You tell me how to live. And that's the way I'm going to live. The first step departing from God is when a man begins to leave that humility and move toward arrogance and pride. In Matthew 18, 3 and 4, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you're converted and become like little children, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humbles himself. You and I, when we get to that point, that stage in life, when we say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. You just tell me what I need to do. I'll listen. I'll learn. Pride was the first step in Peter's apostasy. The second of all was a lack of concern. If you keep reading in this text, picking up with verse 32, you will read, Then they came to the place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. And he went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And then he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he had returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy They did not know what to answer him. And then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come and behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. When you look, the Lord took three of his closest, dearest friends with him. Peter, James, and John, and they were to be watchmen. 
watching for someone coming because the Lord is going to go in, involve himself deeply in prayer. But he comes back and Peter along with James and John are asleep. And the Lord catches them off guard. They're not watching. They're not concerned. And you know, you and I, if we're not very diligent, we can be caught off guard as well. If we're not being very diligent to watch and see what's happening, and why aren't we diligent? We just really don't have the concern that we ought to. In Luke 21, verse 34, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life that the day come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all the earth who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all of these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. He said it's very possible to allow yourself to become so engrossed in and involved in things of this world. Notice he talks about the cares of this life. You and I can find ourselves like Peter sleeping we're so concerned with making a living. We're so concerned with rearing our children. We're so concerned with whatever extracurricular activities we can find that pretty soon we have allowed ourselves to become lacking of concern with what is really important, our spiritual souls. If we're not careful, it's easy to become lazy. And just drift back into the world out of which we came. The Hebrew writer, also addressing this subject, said in chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, was confirmed unto us by those who heard him. Notice verse 1 where he talks about drifting away. It's almost as if we have untethered our boat from the dock, and now the, the current is just sweeping us away a little bit at a time. And because we're not paying attention, we're no longer where we once were. You know, one of the things that I've noticed this week is people have posted photos of what they looked like in 2009, and then they're posting a current photo of 2019. And I've noticed a lot of people have said, well, a lot more gray hair, a few more pounds. But one thing that you might want to observe is, where were you in 2009 spiritually? How strong was your faith? How dedicated were you to attend services? How active were you in participating in the Lord's work? And where are you today? For some of us, we may have to hang our head and say, well, I'm not doing what I once was. And the question comes is, why? Have we allowed ourselves to just drift right along? But the next step that you see in Peter's life is found in verse 54. But Peter, 
following at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself with a fire. Peter followed at a distance. Let that phrase sink into your mind for just a moment. He followed at a distance. He didn't want to be recognized as one of the followers of Jesus. They're up there and I'm going to hang back here. I want to be a, I don't want to be up there with everybody else where everybody will recognize who I am and what I am. The reason why he's following at a distance is because he's a coward. And what Jesus thinks about cowards is pretty plain in Scripture. In Mark 8 and verse 38, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Jesus said, you're ashamed of me now? I'll be ashamed of you later. Or Revelation 21 and verse 8. But the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable murderer, fornicators, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire and brimstone. When we try to follow the Lord at a distance, we're starting to backslide. Do you see the pride, then the lack of concern, and now the cowardice that's taking one step at a time for Peter, which leads us to the latter part of that verse and the worldliness that really overtakes him. Look at the latter part of verse 54 again. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself with the fire. Look where Peter's at. He's warming himself with the servants of the high priest. Yes, that's those same people who've sent and taken Jesus because they want to put him to death. Now Peter is mingling with them. How could he do that? Because there's fire there. Peter wants to get warm. And so he's going to mingle himself with them. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 27 through 29. Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? Can you get so close to the fire and not have some of it rub off on you? You see, Peter was attracted by the fire and the fellowship of those who were there. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. When you and I become a friend of the world, when we say, okay, the comforts of this life, what this world has to offer is more important to me than God. Listen as James speaks. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is Enmity with God, and whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Peter, his pride has led him down this pathway to the point where now he's sitting with the servants of the high priest and he is warming himself by their fire. Which leads to the next step, and that's denial. Look with me at verses 66 through 71 of this context. 
Now, as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you're saying. And he went out on the porch, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, This is one of them, but he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. And then he began to curse and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. Do you see the steps of progression that now he is away from the Lord in the company of his enemies and now Peter has succumbed to the temptation. Now he's going to deny the Lord verbally. And it's a frightening thing for us to consider. You and I can go from being people who sing, Oh, how I love Jesus, to the point of people who are saying, I don't know Jesus. In Titus 1 and verse 16, Paul would write, They profess to know God, but in their works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. That's where this anatomy of an apostasy, this anatomy of a backslider takes place. And if you look at it, pride, lack of concern, cowardice, worldliness and then denial was sin. And the sin could have caused Peter to be lost. But when you go to Luke's account, there's something that really just makes you feel terribly uncomfortable. If you look with me at verses 60 through 62, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you're saying. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Now look at verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Look what I have done. The gaze of Jesus... He sees Peter. I am so disappointed in you. I'm so disappointed in you. If the Lord were right up here this morning, and He's looking out over the audience, and He looks at you, and He makes eye contact with you, do you hang your head in shame? Do you weep bitterly? Now, very quickly, let's look at some advice that Peter offers. Because Peter's a man of experience. He's endured this. He's gone through it. He doesn't want you to go through it. And so he addresses each of these things one by one. And the first one is that of guarding against pride. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, Likewise, you younger people, submit to yourselves, to your elders... Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. Humble yourself. It's hard to do sometimes for us. Step back and say, I'm sorry. I was the one wrong. Number two, be diligent. Peter wasn't diligent in the Garden of Gethsemane. But in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brethren or the brotherhood in the world. He said, you need to be vigilant. You need to keep your eyes open. You need to watch. I wish I had watched. In chapter 1 of 2 Peter, verses 5 and verse 10, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. Verse 10, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Number three, Peter would say, glorify God and don't be ashamed. In chapter 4, verse 16 of 1 Peter, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. And then Peter would say, abstain from the fleshly lust. Don't let the desire for physical, worldly things attract you. He would say in chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from the fleshly lust which war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. I want you to live so that you don't let the world attract you. Abstain from those fleshly lusts. And then finally, give a defense. Stand up and say, this is what I believe and why I believe it. Chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks the reason of hope that is within you, yet with meekness and fear. Peter Do you know the man? Yes, I know him. And here's why I believe that he is the Son of God. Peter could say to us, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. If you know something beforehand, you can be prepared for it. And the Lord prepared Peter by telling him that he was going to deny him. Peter didn't listen. We've got to make sure we listen. In 1 Peter, or 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away by the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Sometimes we have to see Jesus and what we've done to him. Just a few moments ago as the communion was passed, 
and you and I partook of the bread and we partook of that fruit of the vine, hopefully our minds went back to the cross that Jesus hang upon. And hopefully somewhere in our minds we think, it was my sins that put him on that cross. He didn't deserve it. I did, but he didn't. And when you think about a man who once was a Christian, once was a faithful Christian, and now he has drawn back himself into the world, listen to the writer of Hebrews. If they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. Do you realize that when you and I are backsliders, we're putting the Lord on the cross all over again. And we're shaming Him and saying, I don't love Him like I should. And I'm not following Him like I should. But you can repent. That's what the book of Jeremiah was about. That's what the book of Hosea was about. That's what the book of First and Second Peter is about. You and I can say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done and I don't want to be a backslider anymore. I want to be a faithful Christian. Are you a Christian this morning? Have you been baptized for the remission of your sins? If you've not, you need to come forward this morning and say, I want to be a Christian. We'll let you confess your faith because of your repentance then baptize you for the remission of your sins. Now here's the problem. Here's the majority of us. We're already Christians. And some of you know that this lesson was for you. You know that you look at your life and you know that Things are not right. And as you you study through a lesson like this, you're going to say, what's it going to do to me? Is it going to move me to make a decision to come back and be faithful to the Lord or am I just going to keep on going the direction I'm going? We're going to sing, God is calling the prodigal. Would you come as we stand and sing?